Hello, everyone. Since this is either a highlight, a standalone book, or the first episode in a series, I'm jumping in to remind you what the rules are for this podcast. First rule is no real people stories. That means that any details from our own lives are merely anecdotal. We do not read books about real people, and we are not reading historical fiction. The second rule is that we are basing our analyses off of how the author treats characters and what they put them through. We are not judging the accuracy of the trauma, the accuracy of any actual conditions that may be portrayed, nor the authenticity of a character's reaction to that trauma or that particular condition. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. The hosts are not trained professionals, and their opinions come solely from personal experience. In this episode, we discuss fictional depictions of trauma and violence that may not be suitable for all audiences. Please take care of yourselves. Specific content warnings for each episode can be found in the show notes. Events in the media are discussed in approximate order of escalation. This episode contains spoilers. Nicole. And I'm Robin, and this fortnight on Books That Burn, we're discussing Cemetery Boys by Aidan Thomas. For our factions, we have Yadriel, his father Enrique, uh, and then Tio Catrice, and his cousin Maritza, Julian, Luca, and Rio. So for our minor character spotlight, we have Luca. Um, we're with uh, child abuse and physical abuse. It's like it if it if the character were an adult, it'd just be physical abuse. But he's a kid, so it's child abuse. Where it's, it's all the same um, uh, events, same that actual we're content. Focusing on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. You know, his age just makes it the more specific content warning. So, Luca, and and it's minor character spotlight, both because Luca's a minor character, and also because like this is all backstory. Like you, but part of why I wanted to talk about it is like in the text, like characters like can look at him and see the evidence on his body of this history. Like, mm-hmm. um, when, like, he had gang tattoos on the side of his face, and when he was rescued, the part of the price of letting him leave was that the tattoos were burned off. And so, what or it at just least looks like that's, is that's that- That's the, imp- we want to, I well, do want to know, we're, we're, we, we don't actually that- know what happened, so we don't actually know if it was a price of leaving, or if it was- you know, the only way uh, for him to visually cut ties without being associated. We don't actually have details on that. Well, no, I, I did think we got it as like, p- that was part of the price of leaving because there is the comment that Rio, who also had been in that same gang as a younger person, had similar scars on a different part of his body from his gang tattoos being burned off. Right, which has nothing to do with whether or not it is a price or a practical reality of leaving. 
We actually, we cannot say. Condition we literally of can't say that. a better word than price? Like everything the book said, said to me that it was a condition of leaving. That everything the book said to me said that we don't have enough details. All right. There's multiple so, ways that, that needing to scar them off would have been the reaction and the reality. There's multiple things that could have caused that. And none of them we are actually given enough details to know. But the end point is he... His the end point is that he did burn off. them off. Yeah. Yeah. Is that they were burned off and he was in pain for weeks until they got help from someone that Yadriel, hearing the story, is pretty sure was a Bruja, but we, like, that's a, that, that's a guess. Um, because, you know, when Luga got help, he didn't know about Brujas. So. Right. Um, but yeah, and the one thing that I thought was striking here is that Julian is the one telling, relaying this backstory to Yadriel about Luca and talks about how Luca was a good target for the gang because of how much he's a people pleaser. Because, like, you know, there, there's a different member of um, Julian's friend group who is the one that Yadriel, upon hearing that one of these people was formerly in a gang. He assumes it's the like always ready to fight, pretty brash, like instantly up to like fight somebody to defend their friends. He assumes that it's that person who was in the gang. And Julian's like, nah, it was the people pleaser who just wants to fit in and was like a ripe target to be grabbed and coerced into this uh can i make a, a note about the book in general a theme mm -hmm. that i've noticed yeah there's a pretty strong i don't know whether or not this was intentional on the author's part because it reads like it could have been intentional or it could have just been the thought process that they already have in their own life yeah um there's a very strong theme of people need connections and people need like a group and a a a a clan a squad to belong to mm -hmm. um and without that what are you going to even do to function uh and so i i thought that that was kind of interesting reading through it because we get that with luca both with the friend group that he is currently in with with julian and also uh prior with that gang involvement um and ex explicitly so like robin was talking about like it's not that he you know this was his dream or whatever like no he mm -hmm. was he wanted a community he wanted a f he wanted friends he wanted to belong and that group offered that yeah and then also we see that in a lot of the the conversation um surrounding just like other topics that we're going to talk about later but i just want to set it up here with yadriel we see this pretty strong like you know i i can't be who i am and again we'll we'll talk about that in our next topic yeah. uh, because i don't want to lose my my group my family my sense of belonging i don't want to lose my people that i belong with mm -hmm. and that's that's kind of a, a running theme with every single collection of people that we see in this book oh for sure and with um with Luca, it's not like he went from zero to gang just because he wants to get along. Like, he 
No, I mean, well, that's well, that's well, not I, what we were saying. No, 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 no. I I know that's not what we were saying. I'm I have a follow up thought, which is he, mm. it didn't go from zero to gang. He was being um he was being abused by uh his dad. Um, right. So he's like, not getting that that right that so community from family. Yes, so he already doesn't have a place where he belongs and he's being abused. And then it gets offered a place where he'll still be, like, abused in the sense, at, at minimum, in the sense of, like, being part of this gang and around all this violence. Um, but he can feel like he belongs. And then when he gets rescued by Rio and, and pulled out of the gang, then that lets him be in a space where the um, whatever and I'm not saying the kids are abusing the other kids what I'm saying is they have uh, there are violent tempers they're all dealing with their shit and they're not all like good at being people around each other and so it's not it is miles better than where he was but he's still sleeping rough and like not you know he'll say oh yeah no i i totally have a place to stay and julian's like no he doesn't he doesn't sleep at his house he (laughs) he doesn't like he he doesn't have somewhere to be for the night but he has somewhere to be for his days uh is the impression that i get for what's going on with luca um and yeah uh A lot of this is we just get uh, Julian's kind of filling us in on other people. So Mm -hmm. we don't really have any, like at all, any first person details um, or people who actually were were there to witness a lot of it. Um, Yeah. But it's, it it, it really is. That's why I was, I wanted to mention the, the, the theme of, of connection and belonging in this book because it's it's very easy to and we find we see this all the time in a lot of other books and this book handles it very differently we see kind of the almost authors who stereotype for whatever reason and this book does a really good job of calling uh yadriel out on his stereotyping Mm -hmm. and then also reinforcing why that choice would have been made by this younger child version of this character. Yeah, because if you say, nah, it's not the brash guy, it's like the little guy, then it feels like it's, it's just trying feels like to a be subversion. a punchline to a joke. A very, right, 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 right. right. But, but this book explicitly like, no. makes it clear that that is not what is happening. Right. And I, I find that very, very good. On to Yadriel and transphobia. So this one gets a little complicated in terms of the terminology. So what is happening is transphobia. Mm-hmm. As a, uh, a tinge to the transphobia is that because the people being transphobic don't think of Yadriel as a guy... They are doing things and saying things that are tangled up with cis-sexist and misogynistic assumptions. So they're saying, we don't think you're a guy. 
And because you're not a guy, you either can't do this or must do that. Mm -hmm. And so their base assumption is transphobia and then is transphobic. And then once they get there, there then is cis sexism and misogyny. Um, Yeah. So just want to establish that with terms. So with this, uh, there are a lot of different ways to handle a character who is going to be dead named in a text, especially when it's a fictional character, a way of showing the character being dead named without the author having come up with a dead name for the character. Um, and I, I liked how this handled it because um, it preserves the emotional weight and the impact on the character of mm-hmm. that name being used. But like, you know, your you know, character has been Alex the entire thing. And then somebody yells, Hey, Susan, like for the reader, there's no, there's no punch there. It's just like, Oh, it's not the right name. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't convey what's happening, um, especially to someone who hasn't like been through that similar situation. But like, we have no baggage on whatever the dead name is. Yadriel does. And so this preserves the effect on him and focuses on his distress when that happens, rather than... Oh, they said the wrong word, which is, I think, how it could feel for someone who doesn't have, like, feelings wrapped up in that from their own stuff. Well, and speaking as somebody who doesn't, uh, mm-hmm. I want to add on there that the effect of sentence happening, oh, and then they said my dead name, uh, has a, a a very almost, like, jarring cutoff to the tone of the sentence when you're reading uh-huh. it as somebody who does not have any any emotional attachment to that, even a little bit. Um, that gives you the abrupt feeling of, oh, wait, what? That you're, that you're kind of expecting as a, as a character where if they had just substituted another name, it would have just been, ah, wrong word, moving on. (laughs) And it would have kept the sentence flowing. It would have kept the sentence flow, but substituting like that, that shock of that sentence break where you're, where you think reading it, you know, at least maybe a little how it's going to end, or at least you could narrow it down and then suddenly it's just not ending that way i think serves also just from a literary standpoint serves to give the reader that kind of a abrupt like change that the character is also experiencing mm-hmm. yeah um and then with the misgendering um i think most of the time like that's all the that like that that happens like the wrong pronoun is used the wrong um phrasing whenever it's in uh spanish because like a um spanish is a uh, a gendered language in terms of just how the words are um and i know enough to be able to tell especially when uh helpfully in their narration yadriel uh you know narrates about like ah you know still like i'm not not your daughter like i'm not um not your niece and i look and i'm like oh yeah that word in spanish that i didn't know ended with an a i see what's going on like you know 
Um, I, I suspect, but don't know for sure, because I am not in this experience, this slice of it, that it would hit more for someone who can understand the Spanish in the text and doesn't need the, uh, mix context clues. of reaction and paraphrasing and context clues that happened to let any English-only readers know what happened. Mm. Um, so I, I suspect it, it would hit more, but I don't know. But like, I know in English it would hit more, so I'm going to go say, yeah, it probably it probably does. I mean, like, it's, it's it, pretty it well just, reinforced. How, I don't yeah. speak fluent Spanish, um, mm-hmm. but there was like maybe 10 words in this entire book that I didn't recognize. Um, yeah. I, I couldn't try. I couldn't have translated on my own anyway. Um, yeah. And, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm not in the culture, which I think would be the biggest barrier there. Um, yeah. But it, it's pretty well reinforced, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. There's no mixing of, of pronouns talking about the same person or anything in a sentence like you know you kind of get the feel that that's how they think of him yeah and it's not like you could completely miss all of the misgendering if you didn't speak spanish it's not no it's it's blatantly there in both languages yeah um so uh your mileage may vary whether yeah, the misgendering happens a lot uh, is going to mean that it's the thing you want to read or one that like you can't read right now. And we'll get to that in the wrap up, obviously. Um, but uh, I generally speaking, having read a lot of books that do a lot of different ways of handling whether or not a trans character gets misgendered and dead named. And then if they do, how does it handle it? Um, this seemed to work pretty well narratively and i appreciate there not being a dead name invented solely for yadriel to not use it Mm. if that makes sense um uh though this does have a, a a kind of cool thing I've thought about how this is a cool thing and then also a thought about how even if they didn't do this it it wouldn't matter it would just be a different kind of story so this is a slight spoiler um, from here on. Uh, <laughs> when, so the, the big thing that's happening is, well, on this topic, is that Yadriel is like, I'm a guy uh, because the magic is um, pretty split into like girls have this kind of power, guys have this kind of power. Mm-hmm. And he already knows from attempting when he was a kid that he he can't heal. He doesn't have the he doesn't have the girl version of the power. Um and everyone in the family is like, well, that must mean you have no powers. Which has been an ongoing uh, concern mm-hmm. for the community that yes. slowly let more and more people are losing the power or have a very diluted version of the power or you know, consistently. Yep. So this this is not like, uh oh, you're the only one without a power. This is like, ah, of course, another. <laughs> I mean, it's a they're totally willing to that accept that you're explanation. The second one currently in the family who doesn't have a power, if they're right about what's going on, right? <laughs> um, and so then, uh, 
early in the book, he goes through the ceremony to activate the powers. It's a coming of age slash activation thing. And so he doesn't get the coming of age bit from his family because right. of the transphobia. And but he does the magic activation bit on his own. And it, it works. And the the Brujo powers work. And he has them. And his portage is like working. And it's not just a knife. It is a portage now. So like, this is this is great. And that's a version of like, his identity being like, magically validated, like by um, the Lady of Death. But I would like to emphasize that if he hadn't gotten the guy version of the power, that would just be a different shape of the narrative. That would be a even the gods can be wrong story. Right. Rather than a the gods know and affirm and hopefully maybe the other people will come around story, which is what this is. Um, but I just I want to make it clear that like it's just a different story if the magic didn't um, validate his identity because he doesn't need it to in order for him to be right. It's mm-hmm. just different. Um, but in a story about like uh, with themes of community and belonging and who are your people, it is for him very important that it did work and he did get that validation. So, huh. Yeah, I liked I like how that was handled. Mm-hmm. On to Julian and murder. I apologize if that feels like a spoiler. That <laughs> he's a ghost is literally in the blurb on the back of the book and like everywhere. Yeah, this is, um, this is not a spoiler. But, but us being able to actually discuss this topic at all is major plot spoilers, including end of book spoilers. Please proceed with caution, knowing that we're going to spoil stuff, potentially including twists. Mm-hmm. Not all of them, but like we might hit on something that is a twist from your perspective. So please proceed with caution. Going to talk about the murder. Okay. Uh, with that, Okay, so, uh, he's a ghost, but he's not dead yet. Now, if you're like, what? Just stop, stop here, stop here. Just go, go, go read the book. Okay, all right, (laughs) proceeding. Um, there's a, like, a huge fridge horror thing happening with, uh, what's going on. Because, like, there's finding out that actually he has been slowly being drained of blood over the last several days and he's not dead yet. There's like finding out that's what happened. And then there's, for me, rereading this book with the thought on the whole time where he's like, you know, getting to know Yadriel and trying to figure out what's going on and like running all around town that he's just slowly dying um this whole time just this whole time i this isn't the only book that i've read where 
a character who is a ghost or ghost-like person mm-hmm. where it ends up being important that they aren't actually dead. They're just not all the way. They're just slightly in alive. The world of living right then. Yeah. Um, because of the slightly spoilery nature of that, dead. I can't name the book I'm thinking of because it just spoils like a book two thing in a trilogy. But um, <laughs> I've run into this before and I, I like this one. This, this, um, I like how this was handled. Um, it makes, I, I appreciated the, the deafness with, deftness with which you have, um, the concern that ghosts are going to go maligno and then the worry that the thing that looks a whole like, lot like a seizure, but he's a ghost mm-hmm. is maybe him starting to go maligno because, Yadriel, um, like, hasn't been in all the Brujo stuff. And best case scenario, like, he'd, he'd be in the training version of it. So he's, like, he's been shielded somewhat from what it looks like when a ghost goes maligno. So he knows, like, a version of it from having seen it probably in the past, but he doesn't know necessarily that whatever's happening with Julian, like can't be that. And so he's very worried about it. Um, It's also, I thought it was interesting how we get little clues the whole time. mm -hmm. Um, There's just tiny little inconsistencies in what Yadriel thinks is supposed to happen Uh (laughs) versus what is actually going on. Even right down to just, him not being able to to banish Julian in the first scene or two. Yep. Um, and, you know, Yadriel chalks that up to, uh-oh, maybe I'm not actually good at this or I can't actually do this. Or, you know, Julian has to give permission. I, I, I can't force it or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the end of the book and it's like, oh, no, you were just still alive. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But I, and- I thought it was very interesting to read and, and kind of... You know, it's it's one of those where, you know, you know, like the sixth sense, you get to the end and you're like, aha, <laughs> those were clues. Not weird. Mm-hmm. Got it. Yeah. Though well, I'm I'm gonna mention it here because this is one of like a, a thing I I really really like, but that I cannot mention in the wrap up because it is absolutely a spoiler. Right. Um, one of my just like favorite things with this is how like from almost everyone's perspective at the end of the book Julian and Yadriel like being in the hospital and like fighting people to get to each other um came out of nowhere came out of nowhere from right most of the other people's perspectives and it's like uh it's just it's great it's great i i really like how um how happy the ending manages to be and i'll just leave that alone not trying right. to spoil the end of the book but just you know it 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 is funny to me how much no one else like almost no one else has any idea of what is going on right um yeah but so with the actual um murder and we went ahead and did actually call this trauma murder because before my reread, I had been thinking that he hadn't actually died. No, he actually died. Right. Like, 
He was slowly dying for several days and then actually died. And right. stuff that I don't want to spoil happens to make it not necessarily permanent. But like, um, it, it, he, he did die and he's not the only one. Um, and it, I don't know, it makes it like weird to talk about because you have like two days of them like slowly going through the process of making peace with the idea that he is already dead. And then the instant it's like, no, you were five minutes late or that kind of a vibe. Then, right, right. Then it's like, no. I don't care. I don't care that I had been like mostly okay with this. Actually, for, for Yadriel, slowly less and less okay with it, and for Julian, right. more and more okay with it. Um, for the last few days, it's like no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not okay with this anymore. Um, it, it's, it. What makes this a uh, either a romantic uh, October read or a spooky February read, depending on mm-hmm. how, how you want to do it? Um, don't know if you had any like specific things with this you wanted to bring up. I like the twist a lot. <laughs> uh, I think you hit you hit most of the points. Okay, um, because it's. It it's just it's just a very good reveal, and uh-huh. I, I like actually you mentioned the, the switch, <laughs> of uh-huh. one of them you know the the victim getting more and more okay with dying and the, the attempted rescuer getting less and less, okay with it. I thought that was interesting. Yeah. Yeah, because Julian's like, well, I'm gonna do all my last things, and then it's fine to actually kick the bucket. But Yadriel's like, no, I'm getting to know this person more and more. Right? Um, I <laughs> like I've made a friend. I don't want him to go. <laughs> yeah, I've made an I've made an undead friend, and now I'm sad because <laughs> I I don't have many of those. Yeah, a friend who was not transphobic, and like yeah, actively supportive to the extent that you could well, be but if, as a ghost. If your friends yeah. are transphobic to you, they're not friends. Well, this is so. True. I was just saying friends. Yeah, he has like two friends. Mm-hmm. Maritza, that's one. His cousin, <laughs> and now Julian, yeah. that's two done. This month, we'd like to welcome our new supporter on Patreon, Jen Kilmer, as well as our awesome patron, Case Aiken, who receives a monthly shout out. Thank you so much for supporting the show. And if you would like to join Jen and Case in keeping the show going, you can check us out on patreon.com slash books that burn. Hey, all you amazing sentient beings. This is Case Aiken from Certain POV. And outside of podcasting, I work with a group that does Star Trek fan films called Starship Farragut. For 15 years, we've been doing material inspired by the original Star Trek series, but now we're moving on to the movie era with our latest production, Farragut Forward. And that means new sets, new props, and we're going to have to make those monster maroon uniforms. So we have a crowdfunder running right now. Backers can get access to our soundtracks, have their names show up on screen as part of a duty roster, or even get a walk-on roll. Our hope is that this is just the beginning, and that the assets we create with the money we raise will go towards future productions. 
including possibly a sequel that may just be written by a certain scruffy, nerf-hurting Man of Steel who'll take another pass at it. Wink, wink. To back the production, go to Indiegogo and look up Farragut Forward, or find us on Twitter at Farragut1921. And hey, while you're at it, check out the three-minute prologue we put together to show what we can do. But in the meantime, live long and prosper. On to the wrap-up and ratings for the gratuity rating for child abuse. Mm. It's backstory. It's backstory. The descriptions of what happened are mild. Uh, Um, The descriptions of what happened, I would argue, are either moderate or severe, but just taken with care. But I think we can just say backstory because we aren't really given a lot of details. Yeah, there's almost no details. It's us stating here what happened would be the same level of the book. So it that I'm gonna call backstory. Yeah, yeah. You you could extrapolate and imagine, but there's yeah the actual yeah. book has very little. The actual book has not even enough for us to really say. Yeah. Transphobia. Um, I'm gonna go severe, but then we'll talk about it in the care rating. Mm-hmm. Agree. Um, yep. Murder most foul. <laughs> Uh, the murder, also weirdly, severe. yeah, it's severe. It's this interesting mix of backstory and severe, but uh, that's true. I will also add backstory to our little spreadsheet here. Yeah, backstory slash off screen, depending on literally. Exactly oh no, that's when true. It's event. not backstory. It's off screen. Yeah, it's oh, off you're screen. Right. It is happening during the opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chapters. Okay. Technically. Um. All right, integral, interchangeable, or irrelevant. I okay. I feel like the child abuse uh, is things associated. Yeah, it's irrelevant. (laughs) Things associated with the character, like thematically, feed into other things with the theme. Yeah, but the Um, actual things that we are told about don't even impact the plot. uh, Yep, at all, literally none. We actually kind of, I kind of referenced that even a little bit and when we were talking about the topic um like it's it has nothing to do with the plot it's just kind of there it's just kind of filler info on this one character Mm -hmm. this one character that is off screen 99.99999 percent of the book also to be clear yeah yep transphobia is interchangeable yeah integral interchangeable i'm trying to decide how much okay so i think the character being trans is integral i think the transphobia is interchangeable because if this had been a you're too young plot Mm. it would have functioned nearly identically okay that was what i was trying to figure out was could you substitute yeah the substitution is you're only 14. You're not old enough for your kinsis or whatever. <laughs> right, so, right, right. You're not old enough. You were injured recently and can't hold up to it. You, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Any, anything like that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the, the, the murder matter. happened and I think it does we just have to wait because we're, we don't want a XYZ problem. Like, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Uh, murder is integral. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, 
Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. The, the yes. it could have been somebody else, but the actual trauma needed to be this. Yeah. And I don't think you could have slapped a different name on the character is enough to make it interchangeable. Like that's. Oh, not I was going to argue that their cousin could have been. Um. But that's still that that's make- still murder. That's still integral. Yeah, yeah. That's still that a murder needed to happen. Yeah. Like. It's a. It's a kids do things with ghost book like you, you, need, <laughs> you, need, you need a ghost, a ghost. Yeah. and for other plot things you need a recent ghost so like yeah no it's the, the murder is is, uh, is integral um was it treated with care um, the child abuse I'm gonna go with yeah it's I think you have um the minimum necessary detail to convey what's going on what happened like it's it's backstory like you know just just a whole lot of things add up to that being um i think uh treated with care yeah, I agree. And the the actual descriptions that we get are the literal bare minimum, almost. Almost bare minimum. They could have done less, but there's not a lot of wiggle room there. Yeah. The transphobia. I don't want right, to just I'm say the- yes. I want to say enough. Yeah. Well... There is a I lot of know. care treated, a lot of care taken, but also it is very, very on screen present, and we are hearing and seeing almost exactly what they are doing and saying. To yeah, I'm gonna out. say I'm, I'm gonna say not enough. This isn't a condemnation. This is not in a bad way. I okay. just like, um, I mean, it, you know, it is a story it, about this thing yes, in a way, it's, and there's very little buffer, like. Right. Like, when I, like, you know, before my top surgery, I was physically uncomfortable reading this book in places. And Mm -hmm. that I'm no longer physically uncomfortable has nothing to do with the book being different the second time around. Um, Like, if, if this is resonant for you, there's very little filter. And the main filter that is there of, like, not having a dead name in the text for Yadriel, not having one that is given to the reader, that is, I think, important on, like, the spectrum of how one can portray this, like, in terms of that decision. But I don't think it meaningfully changes the care level. Okay, that's fair. Because we don't have any attachment to whatever that name could have been. Right, right, right. All right, fair enough. Uh, Murder most foul. I... I actually think this was treated with either care or enough care. Um, But I will say, um, if you finish the book and then start to think about it, there is some fridge horror. Uh, I actually want to argue against your rating. Okay. (laughs) Because we have those, like, moments that are Mm. him reliving Mm -hmm. the thing that happened, except that's hashtag hashtag spoilers. But, like, there are those moments in there where that, that... ghost is actively not having not having a good time and also like yeah i i would argue i would argue maybe enough or not enough but like 
I don't think it's just a no. <laughs> I think that those moments are pretty visceral when they do happen, and that sh- kicks it down a little. Okay, so not enough. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm good with that. Only because of those like flashbacky things. Yeah. If that wasn't yeah. there, then this would just be yes. <laughs> mm-hmm. But like they're important because oh otherwise... yeah, no, they're absolutely important. They're just yeah, definitely definitely move that care rating down a little. Yeah, they do change the per- the the feeling of going through the book. All right. Uh, the moral directionality, our relatively new rating that I'm very excited about and so glad that Nicole came up with. Uh, it's great. Okay, so for the moral <laughs> directionality. So this is, um, for the ratings, clear. A clear moral, moral directionality would be that there's, like, one general alignment of like what things in the book are good and bad yeah. or desirable and not desirable. Clear, clear be, is the author t- expects us to pick a side and is very clear mm-hmm. on who was right. And everybody else has to like prove themselves or just gets written off from, from how the, how the author frames it for us as a reader, not about the characters, but about how we are supposed to see it. Muddy is when, things are maybe we can make a case for multiple sides or maybe people have good maybe somebody has a good point even if they're on the bad side quote unquote um and it's just a little bit trickier to decipher and then tangled is like either everybody is right or everybody is wrong and oh boy we it's kind of up to us (laughs) as the as the readers yeah i feel like this was I feel like this was pretty clear, um, honestly. Yeah, this this felt very clear, and also like part of to the to the degree that this is a like maturing, growing up narrative, because like it is a little bit. Yeah, um, it's the I had a, a hell of a couple of days version <laughs> of growing up. Yeah, um, but that is like in terms of books, like that is a version. Um, part of it is like. Yeah, Drill getting some clarity on like a a way of of like a thing he hadn't like thought of before. Right. Um Yeah, no, this 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 feels pretty clear. Like um the characters that were disagreeing about certain things, like whether transphobia is cool, um <laughs> are are much more in alignment about uh no. Uh, by the time we get to I mean, the end. But again, even if the characters never come around, like we as an audience are very clearly oh, yeah. told when they are not, when they are harming other people, we're very clearly told this is not okay. You are not mm-hmm. supposed to like that. This is bad. Yep. Don't agree with that. Got it? Good. Like we, yep. we get that pretty, pretty, pretty solidly. Which is the all important right. part. The characters figuring it out eventually has literally nothing to do with this rating. It's all, all yeah, on yeah. us. <laughs> But I I'm I uh, I process things a bit more granularly than Nicole does, and so for <laughs> me, that the characters do change is one of the things that help makes it more obvious for me that it's clear. Gotcha. If that makes sense. It does. Um, I know that's not how you process it. Nicole. No, and also uh, I would argue with you about it if you thought otherwise. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I I do think it's clear. Okay. For a variety of reasons, but that is one of them that affects it. Okay. Anyway. Um, yeah, if either they change their minds or, like, it's really, really obvious that the ones who aren't are obviously in the wrong, that helps me figure that out. 
Anyway, so for the point of view for trauma and aftermath, for the child abuse, we don't get that character's perspective. Yeah. We get somebody else talking about how that is in their backstory. Yeah. Um, And like you said in the main topic, it's consistent with how they behave, but Mm -hmm. technically we never like hear from them. That's an explanation for what is obvious at this time. What'd you think for the transphobia? Uh, Definitely just Yadriel. Yeah. We, we really just get, really just only get him and his perspective and his feelings and, opinions on it yep uh and then for the murder yeah we we uh we get the the murdered person discussing it uh which is slightly (laughs) less common in books yeah um that's that's a little bit unusual actually yeah but we don't have like generally speaking we don't really have inside his head on it and i'm saying generally speaking and please don't ask more because spoilers um but for for the almost all of it like we're not we don't have his perspective right for all right uh also a, a newer portion of our ratings we have the trope spotter all right uh this, the trope spotter this time, is uh, willfully weak. This is where a character could totally do a thing, but doesn't for reasons. Uh, whether the book supports those reasons is irrelevant. Mm-hmm. That the character is deciding not to do the thing, but isn't technically being stopped from doing it, um, fits into this trope. And so in right. this case, um, Maritza has healing magic, but it's powered by blood and she is vegan and so she doesn't use her magic. Um, and some of the tension in the narrative is around where that places her on the spectrum of literally can't do ver- do magic versus totally can and completely is accepted by the community. Because it places her at a different spot than uh, Yadriel. Um, yeah. Uh, what is your favorite non-traumatic thing about the book? Oh, boy. Um, uh, I'm a big fan of Yadriel's commitment to making a practical tool instead of a ceremonial one. <laughs> um, I That's just who I am as a person. I find things that are not practical and merely decorative, but that you are using and pretending that they're practical to be kind of frustrating. Um, so I appreciate that Yadriel makes a choice that I would also have made in that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, my favorite one is... I. Okay, so there's the moment where they're in the costumes shop uh, and Julian's like, you need a costume for the bonfire. And Yadriel, like, starts going off on this, like, muttered rant about how he's not going to have a costume that looks like one of the sugar skulls because of cultural appropriation. I'm like, good for you. Good for you, Yadriel. This is great. Thank you. Glad this is in here. It's just, like, this brief little thing. But I... I... It, it 
it feels very natural in the moment. And also yeah. like the 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 E, I like both that the topic is in here given what else is in the story. Right. And then also um in a more general sense, the like you know, you know Yadriel has like 10, 20, 30 minutes he could talk about this thing. And we get like that impression without having the book grind to a halt for a very, very long diatribe slash Twitter thread about this thing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah, I liked how how smoothly it fits and what it is and what it uh, is implying uh, in terms of how much he could have talked about it. So I... I, uh, I I liked that moment. Yeah, so that will do it for Cemetery Boys. Um, I I like uh, I like this one. I'm I mean, generally speaking, we mostly discuss books we like. Occasionally, not. This is definitely in the like I liked this column. Right. I mean, we do talk about books that we either one or both of us is just uncomfortable with. That happens too. Oh, yeah. But no, I, 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 I like this one. So, uh, let us know if you did find us on the things, uh, and we will catch you in a fortnight. All music used in this podcast was created by Nicole as Heartbeat Art Co. and is used with permission. Our transcriptionist is Heather. Follow her on Twitter at MamaDragon20. We're proud members of the Certain Point of View Network. Find all the CPOV shows at www.certainpov.com. You can contact us on Twitter at Books That Burn or by email at Books That Burn at Yahoo.com. Please consider leaving us a tip at Kofi.com slash Books That Burn or becoming a monthly supporter on Patreon.com slash books that burn all patrons get access to our upcoming book list bonus content including the second half of all interviews and will receive a one-time shout out to get updates on our written reviews recent episodes and newly completed transcripts subscribe to our fortnightly newsletter at buttondown.email slash books that burn you can find us on apple Podcasts, pandora spotify or wherever you get your podcasts please leave us a review wherever you're listening this helps people to find the show thanks for listening we'll be back in two weeks